1: It's Chris-a-mania, brother. That's a great question.
0: Look at you, man. Look oh, at nice the powerful you? questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vleet
1: Show. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: Chris
1: Van Vliet! Well, here we go! Welcome back again to the Chris Van Vleet Show. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. And if you didn't catch it in the title. This is not a new interview with Karrion Cross. Let's get that out of the way right now. This is an interview we did in September, All Out Weekend in Chicago, when he was still known as Killer Cross, and when he was deciding what to do next. So now that he's debuted in NXT as Karrion Cross with Scarlet Bordeaux, and he's just tearing it up, now seems like the perfect time to revisit this interview. So if you've heard this before, I think this is going to speak to you even more now. And if you've never heard it, oh man, <laughs> you're in for such a treat here. This is, oh man, this is such a great chat. He's so well-spoken and well-read and just an intelligent guy. And if you've only ever seen Carrying Cross on NXT, man, buckle up because this is going to show you an entirely different side of him. Oh, you're going to like him so much more. Thanks, by the way, for being here. A lot of you since day one, you know, both on the podcast and the YouTube channel. So thank you. And next week, the podcast turns one. And it's been an incredibly solid first year. I mean, we hit a 1000 reviews on Apple podcasts. We just did that a few weeks ago. So thank you for that. And let's keep this thing going. C Marlowe 91 left this review with the title Great Interview. I didn't know or even thought I wanted to know about Greg Hamilton. But that was an amazing interview. And then he put the five stars, but in emoji. So star, 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 star. You know, that was a great interview. And thank you, Marlowe 91 Greg's just such a good dude. And I've got to spend a lot of time with him recently because we both live in Cincinnati. But man, what a solid guy. We had beers together after we recorded that interview. And it's just amazing seeing how similar our lives are and our careers are. If you haven't checked out that, that interview yet, please take some time right now, take some time this week to give it a listen because whew, so, so good. Um, So to say Karrion Cross has made a statement in NXT would be an understatement. He's put everybody on notice since he debuted and that's just the type of performer that he is. Uh, in this interview, we dig into his influences, what they are, where his intensity comes from. He's very inspired by books he's read and films he's watched and you know, when we had this conversation, he was figuring out his contract situation with Impact Wrestling. It's so interesting to hear at that time what his take was on both NXT and AEW, which both seemed like very viable options at the time. Although, if I'm being honest, Scarlet Bordeaux had just signed with WWE and had just moved to Orlando. He recently like, moved to Orlando like not long after that. So I'm like, you know what? I think he might go to WWE. Although in this interview, we talk about it. I said, Do you really think WWE would allow you to be the character that you've been right now, both in, in Impact Wrestling and on the Indies? And he's like, You know what? I think they would. And you know what? He's right. He, you know, that's exactly what's happening right now. Um, so, you know what? Let's just get right into this because it's so good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Karrion Cross. <laughs> All right. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. I know it's a busy weekend here in Chicago, but uh, thank you for this time. My pleasure. I I know a lot of people are very excited about this. I am personally very excited about this. Um, You're one of the most exciting wrestlers, I think, that uh, I guess we can call you a free agent, I guess. In one way, shape, form, (laughs) or another. (laughs) But, uh, you know, people are really blown away by your in-ring intensity I think is that a, is that a good way to uh, say it
0: I would definitely say so I think that's a fair assessment um, one thing that I really have always tried to do is uh, create an emotional engagement and a response to understand the purpose of what we're really doing out there and for me it's always been uh, you know to elicit emotion and, and, and engage people with uh, the art of storytelling the oldest stories in the world light versus dark good versus evil and so forth.
1: Uh, with that are you inspired by certain movies is that where this came from uh i i think
0: it was just uh a combination of coincidences uh growing up being uh i guess just engaging with different forms of entertainment from professional wrestling like very first match i ever recall seeing was you know warrior pinning hogan i mean i i may have saw the matches before that but that was ingrained that was ingrained in me and um I grew up in like a, that time when '80s horror films and early '90s horror films, like they didn't make sense, and that yeah. was unsettling. Remember how <laughs> things used to be? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that really scared people because, like in life, uh, the things that really bother us are the things that create uncertainty. It's like you've been walking down the street your entire life, and. You know exactly where everything is. And then one day you walk down and everything is different. It's just something as simple as that. It freaks people out. They feel displaced. So I've always tried to create that sort of atmosphere in what I've been doing.
1: Were there certain horror movies that you were really drawn to?
0: it's very weird so at the, at the risk of sounding totally insane um i i, rem- <laughs> I think it might be too late for that it's actually. too late it's just work um so yeah it's it's kind of like i remember seeing snippets of films i wasn't supposed to be watching as a kid things that were super graphic and insane um one of the movies and i i know this film and i've seen it and i love it the reanimator i don't know if everyone's going to know that one but i mean there was just such graphic horror Um, In those films and television shows and it was just insane and dark and illogical and uh, I feel like that was sort of a satire or like a, a mirror image of what bothers people in real life like people who are illogical are always the ones who disturb people and then there's also people who are very logical that just have their own arbitration of what's right and wrong and they will do wrong to others through justification that also scares people too so
1: well i think it's interesting you talk about storytelling because obviously wrestling is all about storytelling but i feel like a lot of what you do in the ring and especially in your promos has like a a film aspect to it is that something that you intentionally you know worked into it 100 percent.
0: i when i was breaking in I would kind of assess and look at what was going on on a wrestling card or or, or a television program and sometimes the matches and the stories blend together because the parallels are too similar, right? Sure. So I thought On the independence while i had the freedom um, if i could come up with creative things and variances uh, that felt different from the rest of the things people were saying that was going to be a great way to stand out not only that it was my own individual way of contributing differently to a show versus everyone else why would i be valuable in a show well i'm going to give people something that can't be emulated or done by anyone else and that i thought was the best way to create Value, you know from a sincere place, you know,
1: did you have any aspirations of maybe going into acting if wrestling wasn't a thing? A
0: hundred percent. I've always wanted to be an actor since I was a kid. Um, I dabbled in theater a little bit in my teens. Um, Always also wanted to be a professional wrestler, too. Sure. And then uh, growing up in combat arts and uh, martial arts and sports and stuff like that, coming from a family uh, that was just uh, always involved with that. I was very comfortable in conflict. And so like, once you find out you're good at conflict, um, you know, you can, you can kind of get lost in that. Um, and I just, you know, everyone always asks me, you know, would you fight pro MMA? Uh, I had moved to Las Vegas to fight pro MMA. Um, I was dabbling in that for a little while, but over time, you know, you realize that there are certain things that bring you fulfillment. There's certain, you know, things that you're good at and there's certain things that you want to pursue and, I just uh, didn't love uh, combat martial arts enough to pursue it as a career. But oh. all of that, I think, just kind of wrapped in one big bow in that general direction kind of put me on course with this. But acting, in the films, movies, TV shows, 100%.
1: Are you still dabbling in MMA, at least for fitness or anything like that? Yeah. Um, that's
0: just the way of life for me so i'm always training recreationally always i can't stop i'll go crazy it's a form of therapy um uh, really anything like i'm out of vegas so anytime i could ever get a chance to go into vanderley silva school Juan yeah. fight team or syndicate mixed martial arts i'll go in and um and just uh, roll around and, and do what i do or if i can ever find a heavy bag i'll do the routines i grew up doing there as well so uh, i need that i need that in my
1: life Who were some of the wrestlers that when you were growing up, I mean, you mentioned the first match you ever saw, but who were the people that really inspired you to want to watch? Uh, You know, a lot of people will always throw out one name for a political
0: reason. Like, a lot of the guys in the business will will say that their favorite wrestler was a specific person because they're afraid they're going to get heat from someone who's above them being like, why would you mention that guy's name? (laughs) He never drew any money. You know, but it's like, I really had a ton of favorites, but I mean, not to be redundant, I mentioned warrior, mm-hmm. like as a child, I had a manic amount of energy. Uh, and I just <laughs> you felt you don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, more so as a child, believe it or not, I could scale this wall. Um, That's impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I just identified with high energy characters and back then, eighties and nineties, was a lot of energy <laughs> stuff. People were screaming. Like there was no, was such- every promo. Yes. Yeah, there was no such thing as an indoor voice in pro wrestling. It no. didn't exist, you know? Uh, um, so basically, yeah, I mean, a uh, warrior, probably, as I grew up, I had new favorites, uh, Gary Albright, Dr. Death, um, guys that had an amateur background because, I mean, uh, I was trying to decipher uh, at a certain point as I grew up uh, what was real and what wasn't you know not. You know, the chatter begins at a certain point out of your adolescence uh, as to what was legit, what wasn't, and I grew up around wrestlers. So then when you learn to start identifying footwork, and how they're grabbing people, you know, a gable grip, or they're getting their hips under people. Mm. Suddenly, like, a drop kick off the top rope doesn't look as effective as, like, you know, souffling somebody on the top of their head and then proceeding to soccer kick them in the face like a Japanese match. So I had a lot of influences in that direction. Then later on, I really 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 got into character work his name is not mentioned enough but Sean O'Hare uh, yeah. he, he was amazing like I literally wear that coat down to the ring as a nod to him a lot of people don't know that but Sean O'Hare was immensely uh, inspirational Brian Pillman um, just a broad spectrum I don't have one guy uh, everyone wants me to say you know Ricky Dragon or you know Steamboat uh, Flair I mean everybody wants you to say those and those guys were incredible sure. you know what I mean like a lot of us have jobs right now because of what they did um, and how they secured you know a residual demographic come into those shows where they sold out buildings you know of thousands upon thousands of people but uh i just enjoyed so much
1: across the boards and i feel like it, it wouldn't be fair like you said to just name one person anyone yeah. watching this right now it does not just have one favorite wrestler no throughout the course of your life there's been different people that you've been drawn to so i appreciate you being you know being able to go yeah this is the way it should be sure when you say when you were younger you were able to deal with conflict is that with words or is that with uh using your fists both uh, both Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. so it was like it was a weird transition
0: so like every kid you know um you know i grew up in an age where bullying was rampant it wasn't um it wasn't assessed uh, you got bullied a little bit a little bit i can't see someone bullying you. everybody though everybody got kind of caught a beating growing up and um I didn't uh, take to it as dramatically as some other people because like I was involved with the amateur wrestling and boxing and stuff. But like, I never knew what I could get away with and what I could do because my father would always be like, Hey, like, you know, if somebody comes at you the wrong way, then put them in the right direction. And you know, my mother would always be like, hey, listen, like, let's not let's not get kicked out of school. So, I mean, uh, I learned how to work from a diplomatic angle and then I learned how to work um, in the angle where diplomacy fails. So I, I, I don't know. I just
1: turned out uh, that way, I guess, from that type of nurturing. You seem to be so much like not that other wrestlers are, but you're so well-spoken. Um, is this from your upbringing? Is it from your education? What do you attribute it to naturally?
0: Growing up, I was uh, a kid stuck in a state of avoidance. I'll give you some stuff here I've never talked about. Okay. Um, and a lot of people live in different states of avoidance, and I, uh, my communication was horrendous. Um, I didn't uh, express uh, things enough verbally. You know, I was very introverted and I still think I am an introvert. I'm not naturally an extrovert. I can do it. It's just not my natural place to be an introverted extrovert, I guess. (laughs) And um, I just I, I don't like not being good at things that I want to be good at. So obviously, communication, you know, is effective in all aspects of life. So I just chose to get better at communicating. And I think I just try to come from an empathetic place with that. And that if I kind of speak to people on that level, then that that trepidation to be that way kind of goes away so what was it that you were avoiding i mean if you're willing to speak about it uh i just keep my cards close to my chest i'm just naturally always in that place i just i'm more comfortable just i don't know in my in my own skin not putting my energy out there
1: i like to conserve it it has being in the ring allowed you to be um, maybe a more open version of yourself mm, again at the risk of sounding totally
0: nuts uh <laughs> So like uh, I'm not Killer Cross um, But uh, Killer Cross is definitely a real thing And um, I think people would agree that when they go to the shows They're getting something very visceral, very carnal um, And and very real in the way that we can use that word for this uh, Out of him So we put him away
1: until the music and the lights uh, start But there's got to be some sort of crossover Some sort of bleed over between him and you
0: I would definitely say it's the The development of that character comes from a lot of things that I've gotten from the pro wrestling audience like the tall man was a name that I got for a long time and that basically was pertaining to a promo that I cut at the beginning of my career and I said uh, you know all of these guys running around you know, trying to play the role, like overgrown children masquerading around as adults, I said. Something of that nature. And I said, well, when I'm around, they're going to have to pay the toll. Had a little rhyme to it, so people started calling the toll man. Yeah. People started calling me the people's executioner. People started calling me the anti machine uh, All this different type of stuff. And if that's what they're calling me and that's what they want me to be, then I might as well embrace that. So the development of Killer Cross came from that. And then, like I said, the inspirations from entertainment and art and stuff like that. So that's what I think. Well,
1: I mean, I, you think you would know better than anybody. Let's hope so.
0: <laughs> Is this the part where you don't want to sound insane again? Just don't ask me about my psychological evaluations. Oh God, that
1: was oh geez, <laughs> that promo was great. Thank you. That was so good. I did not see that coming. Uh, oh, I knew something good. was going to happen, but and I think a best supporting actor nod for whoever. He's the best. That we was- t- we
0: talked about that for a while. at you ever see the movie Collateral with Tom Cruise, Jamie Fox? I love that movie. We talked about that forever, and it was like uh, a supporting actor um, in a great film or a television show really can tie the entire plot and the entire character premise together. And I was like, we discussed that, and uh, Jamie Fox made Tom Cruise eerie in that film. Yeah, it could not have been done that way without you know that sort of supporting position. So, so.
1: are you a big film buff then?
0: Huge. Okay huge
1: whatever like name some movies over the last little while oh no that, that you've really loved because I, I work in television i, I review yep. movies all the time i'm part of the um, broadcast film critics association i vote on the critics choice awards so i watch a
0: ton of movies sure um i'm in a in a broad stroke, I've really thoroughly enjoyed all of the Marvel films. Sure. So um, I kind of dropped off the face of the earth with comics around '95 or '96, but I grew up on them, right? So, like all the movies that they're making now, I read these these comics when I was a kid, and I always thought, you know, with my friends, like how amazing would this be if they could find a way to create you know, a television show or like a movie out of this, you know, you fantasize about that. You grow up, you forget yeah, about it. Then yeah. all of a sudden, like full circle, like 20 years later, they're doing them. So I was like, you know, that little kid in me was alive and well watching those films. I really enjoyed those films from a sentimental place. I knew who all the characters were. I knew where the, where the turns were and everything. And I thought they were so well done. Who's your favorite Marvel character? Mm. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Captain America because he's completely incorruptible. Mm. And that was like Mm. a refreshing character presence in a film. I mean, uh, light and dark is always so convoluted, right? Um, The uh, film and the common era likes to play on shades of gray with so much. And I feel like there's such a massive abundance of shades of gray. It's refreshing to see someone who's like either a white hat or a black hat. Yeah.
1: I, I, I was in a discussion recently with one of my other friends who's a film buff that movie stars don't open movies anymore. Like, you don't go, oh, it's the Tom Cruise movie. It's going to make $100 million. I think directors, though, have that kind of pull. Sure. Um, is there a – yeah, we've got a mosquito flying around here annoying He's us. trying
0: to get us five seconds of <laughs> Geez.
1: Well, you got it,
0: mosquito. Parasites. They're everywhere in this business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, who blood suckers? Is, is there a certain director that when you realize or when you find out that they're making a film, you're like, I can't wait to see that Martin movie. Scorsese, Ridley Scott, uh, David Lynch. Huge
0: David Lynch fan. I drew a lot of um, that thing that I shot for uh, John Moxley. Uh, I shot that with a few friends of mine and uh, edited it and everything. And you know, my final idea in post production for that was. To set that in like a David Lynch-esque environment, because again, like we were saying, David Lynch is notoriously done in films like Lost Highway and I could go on on Twin Peaks, a television show and the movie Firewalk with me. All that stuff felt really strange and eerie and scary, and it felt so different from everything else you were watching. I didn't want this to just be a generic vignette or a promo or a selling point um, on something that could happen. I wanted this to feel strange. Mm -hmm. So
1: Accomplished. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I feel like for me, when Christopher Nolan's gonna have a film, it's like, you know it's gonna be amazing. Christopher, yeah, Christopher Nolan, um, he did the Superman and the Batman films and so many oh others, but those ones stood
0: out for me. They were incredible.
1: We just got to take a quick pause from this conversation to thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. And there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports, maybe? Well, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets that you can check out. So visit betonline.ag, use the promo code BLUEWIRE for our awesome podcast network, BLUEWIRE, and you'll get a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, it's your online wagering experts. Obviously, you're here. It's uh, all-out weekend. Um, a lot of your friends work in AEW. What have been your thoughts watching this company evolve from the announcement in January to the first show in May to where we are now? I watched
0: the AEW show live in Vegas. And uh, I'm not saying this because I think I'm supposed to say it in all sincerity I was really blown away by it because there was just a very different energy to the show in a good way like um, I mean I've said this before but I I just think it needs to be said like with all of the different tools that we use to elicit and engage an emotional response from an audience when we go out there from putting our bodies on the line to the execution of the story uh, sincerity energy listening to the fans uh during the match timing everything there's like people literally weeping in the audience uh cody versus dustin of course like you can't you can't like orchestrate that that's not something you can pre-plan like you know putting things together you can't be like and at this part the audience (laughs) is going to cry like that was amazing to actually be around i don't think i've been at a wrestling event in the audience where that's happened yeah, it was just awesome. Uh, Penta and Phoenix killed it, too. They kill it everywhere they go. Um, everything. Seeing the international talents was really cool, too. It was just an awesome show. I mean, it was awesome. It was really
1: cool. It really feels cool like it feels like a good fit for you. And I'm saying that because everyone watching this goes, Killer Cross would be a great fit in AEW. Uh, obviously, you probably can't speak too much to that, but just know that that's where people think that uh, you know, it would be a great spot for you. I think anywhere where you can be the Killer Cross that you want to be, I think would be That'd be the best situation for you. I agree. Um, You know, like,
0: uh, I think uh, with the direction that they're going in with TNT, um, and I think that with the flexibility that I've heard that they're offering creatively, I definitely think there's some things that I could do there and um, creatively get out that I might, it just might not fly elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, ultimately, I'm not married to go in any specific direction for any company right now. It's even difficult to think about. It's stressful to think about just because of the the other things that are associated with it. Yeah. Um, that's why I've been trying to focus on these particular directions and kind of live in a good state of gratitude, I suppose, and just be in the present moment and focus on the things I can do. But, uh, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to going uh, down that road when, when I'm, <laughs> I guess, able to.
1: Yeah, you've been, a lot of what you're saying about staying positive, staying in the moment's been what you've been putting out onto social media as well. Big time, yeah. Are there certain uh, books you've been reading or have read that have really, you know, kind of helped your mindset with this? Uh, Scarlett actually turned me on to a book called Theta Healing. Um,
0: and I can't even begin to explain that because I haven't finished it. But it's, it's a book about uh, engaging in different types of energy and, and healing. In the title. Do um,
1: you feel like you have some healing that needs to be done? Um, I don't know. Um, Maybe with the situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think
0: everyone is always in a state of um, healing, I suppose. Uh, but that book, uh, Art of War by Sun Tzu, I've read probably 35 or 36 times. Um, <laughs> excellent, excellent book.
1: That's a very specific number, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Behold the Pale Horse was a great book. Um, American Psycho. Excellent book.
1: I feel like there might be, you know, a little bit of American Psycho. I've never heard that before. (laughs) What about Bronson?
0: I love that movie. I know all about that guy. Um, I watched the documentaries. I drew a lot, actually, from that film as well. People will see that, I think. Even the glasses are very similar. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Tom Hardy's portrayal there is... yeah unbelievable i love how those glasses are synonymous with really interesting and crazy people too like pillman wore those yes uh, not that lennon was crazy but i mean john lennon wore those glasses too and uh yeah it's just want to make somebody nuts you put those
1: sunglasses on them but do you think you'd be able to do the character work you've been doing recently in a place like nxt or wwa perhaps but also perhaps not i used to think perhaps not and then i started uh
0: I started to grow and develop a little bit more as a performer. And I began to realize, whereas I thought certain things that I was doing could not be pulled off there. I began to realize that was due to my own limitations. And, uh, it's just so funny, like, and, and every pro wrestler will tell you this or performance (laughs) artist um, debate. Uh, so every pro wrestler will tell you every year. sports Entertainer. Yes. Sports entertainer. Uh, every progress will tell you one year they think they've got it all figured out. And then the next year they realize they don't know anything. Mm. And like, that's like the best feeling ever because you just feel like you have more cards to play. And whereas I thought that certain things I was doing were either one dimensional, even two dimensional. I'm in a place right now where I feel like it won't really matter where I go. I'm going to be able to do what I'm doing in any way, shape or form. Like I've hit a really cool peak creatively with things i know how to lay things out differently so it would kind of work in any platform and people haven't seen me do that yet and there's a reason why because i'm saving it for perhaps a a direction that i finally go in once we're ready to move stage perhaps
1: (laughs) (laughs) with with that said do you look back at your old matches even six months ago or a year ago two years ago and go wow i've grown so much absolutely all the time all the time I, I heard that, I mean, in my business of television, if you look back at stuff from six months ago and you're proud of it or six months ago and you go, oh, well, that was really good. You're not improving.
0: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's always like that. I mean, I've always kind of treated every single match as a, as a time to improve. And I, I know everybody else does, too. I mean, for the most part, you're rarely ever going to meet people in this business that aren't looking to improve every time you go out there. You know, like a It'd be a strange place to be in if you weren't doing that, and that's like a fun thing. Like it's always something to discover differently. So I mean,
1: it's cool. Is it a coincidence that your initials are the same as your real name? KKKK? K K K. Well, K K R K would be the right, would be the shoot. But yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, I get that a lot. Yep, yeah That's that's just some like was that was that a, a, by design from the start? Well, Kevin Cross initially was uh, sort of a. When we were when we were putting ideas together about uh, character presentation, when I first got started, I was thinking about things that chance uh, (laughs) or (laughs) fans. Give me one slip. Um, I was thinking about things that fans could chant because I was observing psychology and I was thinking like if you have some like abracadabra baloney name, you know what I mean, it might be hard for fans to kind of get behind that if you're you know working babyface or something. And I was thinking about uh different names that they could come up with in chant and i was also thinking about marketing and i was thinking about something catchy something that rolls off the tongue literally kevin cross just came to me and um i just thought it was an easy name to remember and um, i just wanted to kind of play off that direction for a while and then kevin cross became killer cross literally from uh different things that happened in the ring i think it was around the time i had wrestled shane douglas we did sort of like an ecw rule style match um i had uh i extra tape on my hands and I just finished watching No Country for Old Men with Javier Bardem and Tommy Lee Jones of course yeah, yeah. and there was a scene that was just so disturbing it was uh, when they finally arrest Javier Bardem's character I believe his name was Anton Shigar, he's in the police station and he finds the cops back and he has the handcuffs <laughs> and he chokes him with the chain. So I would overtape my hands that night and I figured a great way to go home would be to unravel the tape and do that's that exact good. spot. Yeah. And people were chanting uh, Killer Cross and that kind of just followed me for a couple months. And I was like, that's also got a ring to it and it's very character driven and I could draw a lot out of that. So the fans are calling me that for months. So I was like, well, <laughs> my name is Killer Cross <laughs> now. I might as well, just like all the other monikers and stuff, I might as well embrace it and It's been a godsend. It's been awesome.
1: And I know you were a big ECW fan, are a big ECW fan. Huge. What was your one go-to match that you loved in ECW? Oh, I mean, the first one that came to mind, to be
0: fair, was Bam Bam and Taz. And that was, there was like, I remember showing people that match growing up that They were so certain they knew what pro wrestling was. They had a preconceived notion. And some of them, you know, were wrestling fans. And they were so certain they knew what they were watching and how it all worked. I would show people that match. And they were like, they're really fighting. They hate each other. This is real. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, that's an amazing thing. Like, that's not something you can teach someone to do. To create that sort of uh, feeling when someone's watching that. I mean, that's art, man. People walk into a place with the notion that, you know, like a magic show, David Copperfield, you walk in, oh, it's just magic. I mean, obviously we're going to get, we're going to get hooked tonight. The magic's not real. And then, you know, he makes a piano disappear and there's an airplane floating over your head and you're like, this is amazing. This is, this is magic. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it doesn't have to do with just collecting a, a group of gullible people and putting them in a room. It's not that it's making people feel something. And that's what it is. It's not about tricking them. It's not about misleading them. Yeah. It's about making people feel something and, they ride that with you you know Mm. Mm.
1: other like obviously that was very early in the ecw days was there something maybe closer to maybe 2000 ish that you look at and you're like that's great wrestling Uh, I think all of the matches uh,
0: with Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar were incredible. Okay, yeah. Uh, Kurt Angle and Michaels, that feud I thought was amazing. I loved Kurt
1: Angle and anybody. Really, yeah. Yeah, seriously.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all that stuff was awesome. I loved all the Sean stuff with Hunter when they were feuding when Sean came back. I thought that was really cool, and I always look back at that and think, like, that was amazing how much mileage they got out of that, and everyone was, like, locked into that for the longest
1: time. I loved all of that stuff. I thought it was awesome. As we look at uh, this arm, this rather large arm full of tattoos here, which was your first tattoo? Uh, it was a tribal up here. Uh, it was literally just Is it a, this one. Yeah. Oh, it it's a, being a, covered kind a, of a
0: little bit. It was a black band by itself. And I had always planned to do a sleeve. I knew that was going to be the start of it. So what, at what year was that one? Oh, God, uh, maybe 2002 or 2003. Oh,
1: my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow! And yeah, what's yeah, your yeah. most
0: recent one then? Um, oh, the most recent one would probably be um, my uh, left chest. Uh, some of it was done in Thailand, we went to a temple in Chiang Mai. Uh, Scarlett Bordeaux and I went on uh, went to Thailand backpacking, and uh, we went to a Buddhist temple, and uh, there was a like a ceremony done. Um, people can learn about it. It's, it's a long story, but uh, it's a tattoo done. And, uh, it was like a protection blessing. So I had that done. Uh, I, I don't even know what it's called, but they basically take a rod. They kind of like nail it into your chest to do it. It's extremely painful, but, uh, <laughs> if it's important to you and yeah. you understand the purpose of it, then, um, you know, you'll deal with it. But it was probably the most painful thing I ever went through. my For how life. long? Uh, it, I think it was maybe only twenty to twenty-five minutes to do the whole thing, but like it felt like thirty years. I can't move, you know, and I almost felt like I almost felt like the blade was hitting uh like my chest plate, like my bones, my I'm ribs. sure, yeah, pretty oh, fucking man. horrible. But it was worth it. I'm glad I did it. And I
1: think the- you're so much more spiritual than a lot of people would think. From you know, from the time your music hits to the time you walk back through the curtain, have you always been this way, or was there something in your life that kind of manifested this or the catalyst to make this happen?
0: uh i would say probably over the last year and a half to two years i've really embraced uh just a general sense of spirituality um i I don't even know exactly what i could say i've encountered specifically that kind of turned me in that direction but it's uh it's magnetic it's something that i feel uh kind of in my chest and my core to be driven in that direction and it always provides a lot of tranquility uh, a lot of lessons um I don't know. It's just, uh, it's been good to me. I always get a positive return out of it. Mm-hmm. Just no matter what you believe in, there's positive and negative energy that's been proven. And I think that, you know, um, being weary of that and, and respecting that
1: is kind of a place where I draw from. Do you meditate as well? I do. Yeah. That feels like, you feel, I feel like you have that kind of energy yep. to, is that a daily thing? Yes. Wow. Yep. Every morning, every morning, uh, I a certain if, amount of time. If I'm home, In Vegas,
0: uh, I go outside in the sun and uh, I have a cup of coffee and I will sit in the sun and I will not look at my phone and I will kind of just embrace what's immediately going on with me. So um, that's sort of my form of meditation or I'll go hiking, I'll go to a high point and uh, And just get away from everything and i think that isolation serves a great purpose to people a lot of people i think freak out when they're alone but i think that again is living in a state of avoidance you're avoiding something you're always in a state of avoidance if you're constantly engaging in things around you when you get alone you're isolated something's bothering you i really think me personally it's a good thing to sit there and be in that state of panic or whatever it might be yeah you have to to address it yes yeah yes
1: I, and I feel like I, I heard an interesting conversation recently that we are incapable of being bored anymore because 10, 20 years ago, if you were sitting in a doctor's office, you would literally just have to sit there. Yep. Now, the second you get bored, you pull your phone out and you'll just start scrolling. Totally. And it's, yeah. it's very interesting that you say that you'd like that time to be quiet and be with your own yep. thoughts yeah i feel like more people need to do that more people do but that's you know in the common era of society
0: in the direction that everything's going in it's all about you know optimizing a you know a consumer demographic turning people into constant consumers trying to take 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 they're not Mm -hmm. just taking your money they're taking your energy too you know it's like people need to uh i feel like we're moving away from like uh we're abandoning emotional discipline i feel like with all of the technological advances I don't think social media is a bad thing, but there are some people that really do not know how to use it effectively. Sure. It winds up controlling them. Yeah, winds up bringing out a lot of negative stuff in them. And I, I just think it all goes back to emotional discipline.
1: Well, I don't think it's fair for people that go, oh, it's the, you know, social media is awful. It's the root of all bad things. No, it brings people together. hundred percent. It, it, you know, it, make, yeah. it brought this together. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I engage that as much as I possibly can uh, when I'm able to and in a healthy way, you know, um, engaging with fans and and stuff like that i I think it's good like if people were not watching what i was doing and people were not interested in seeing me i wouldn't be doing it you know what i mean i'm doing it to engage people and as much as i like to entertain people in what i do i also like to inform them and i can always tell people that if they're watching what i'm doing they'll get a little bit more out of it than somebody else who might not be looking for the details
1: 20 years ago if you wanted to find someone who was a fellow fan of pro wrestling You had to, it just randomly would come up in conversation or you would see someone in your high school like wearing a shirt and you'd be like, dude, you're wearing an NWA. I had no idea you were a wrestling fan. Yep. Now you can just go to a message board, a website, a YouTube video, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Yep. And instantly, it's like like that scene in uh, Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? (laughs) It's like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Totally. Tell us something about Scarlett that we might not know from looking at her or experiencing her (laughs) on television. Um... Oh, God. What can I
0: say that I, I like?
1: <laughs> that won't get you in trouble with her? Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> she's v- very intellectual. I don't know if people will necessarily draw that from the character presentation. Um, she's extremely intelligent. She's very worldly. Um, and I believe she's first generation American. From where? I wonder if I should say that's a good story for her to tell.
1: Okay. Well, then we'll have to get her on the show. Yeah. 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 I think people might, you know, might think that she is as mean in person as her character. She is. (laughs) People might also think that you're as intense and crazy as we see on TV. I am. I shouldn't ask you about that. uh, No. Psych. We will
0: not discuss that. (laughs) Uh, Everything is fine.
1: Yeah. I can see but seriously, everything is fine. You're awesome. Thank you. No, I, I, I think there's so much more to, even in this, you know, this brief conversation that we're having now, there's so much more. And I hope that this is the first of many conversations that we have with, with the positive stuff that you've been putting out there. Is there one phrase that you go back to or one phrase that's helped guide your life Hmm. or maybe even just a mindset
0: I don't know. That's a, that's a. I'm going to get very introspective on that.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know if we have the time. I would. I don't know if I was. If I, you know, being afforded the opportunity to put something out there, I would. Uh, I would encourage people to never do anything in their lives, whether it be career or personally, that they can't live with, and anticipate that who you are today is going to change in due time. And what you change into will not be something you can anticipate. So be a good person.
1: Mm. You said something in your shoot interview. I wrote it down here because I thought it was so interesting. You said that people love to be terrified. In what way do people love to be terrified? Because some people are terrified to be terrified. I think people, in general,
0: at least in this common era that I'm living in, to be fair, are kind of just crashing into things and not really necessarily feeling something. I feel like a lot of people have become experienced junkies and have lost uh, the value in, I guess, all things. I know that's very general. Um, I think that people Who are experienced junkies are always constantly looking to feel something regardless of the consequence, regardless of how it may change them, um, regardless of how it will make them feel just as long as they feel something. And uh, I think in a a controlled setting, being terrified for a person who may fall into that category uh, or not is sort of a is a safe experience. Mm. to a degree mm. until they lose control of that that's a whole other story mm. but i think that uh people being terrified is just a uh, it's an experience they want to have
1: in a controlled setting sure i want to acknowledge you for everything in this interview i appreciate you being so open uh there's so much more to you than people would just see in a promo or a match and uh, i appreciate that we were able to you know kind of get some of that out there and I- i'm so excited for whatever's next um, me too, <laughs> and I guess we'll see at some point in time what that is, whenever that is. Um, so, thank you for this. I'm glad we were able to make this come together. Um, it's the power of social media, people. It's That's not right. all bad.
0: Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Those are the words to live by. I tried not to swear. Maybe that was number two. Uh, I don't know. Who's keeping count? <laughs> thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, man.
1: All right, well, there we go. Carrion Cross. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I hope you learned a ton about both the man and the character here. Take a screenshot, tag me. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Tag him. He's at WWE Carrion Cross. And I feel like I feel like we also listed off a lot of books there that you can add to your list of books to read. Some really good recommendations in there. Uh, and I'm just so excited to see what opportunities he's given. In NXT, because I mean, look at the guy. Look at him. He has championship material written all over him. And I think it would be a travesty if he doesn't become North American champion and then become NXT champion. Or heck, you know, just let's just skip over North American champion. Just make the man the NXT champion sometime in the next 12 months. I think that makes perfect sense, right? He's just running through opponents right now. And I know that he's going to have some incredible matches in WWE. So if this is your first time listening to this interview, I hope you loved it. If this was your second time, third time, whatever, if you had listened to this before, back when I released this in September, and you're listening to it again now, I hope that it meant even that much more to you now. And since we talked about some great quotes in this interview and some great you know, books in this interview. We're going to leave it from, with this quote that I love from Jim Rohn. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Mm. This Thursday, Spike Dudley is going to be on the show. What a chat with him. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. So uh, this is a really good one. We dig in deep with this one. Hope you enjoyed this one. And I know you'll enjoy the one with Spike. We'll see you on Thursday.